I'm Jason Ariola. And I'm Dominic Chavez, and this is Rock Out With Your Card Out. episode we mentioned that this was going to be a project that we were going to be doing and today Dominic and I are going to start a two episode project that um, as you're listening to this we'll probably be working on or having or I'll just be editing the second part of this project. This two-part project is the soundtrack to E7. Now normally I would say I mean it's a long soundtrack. Uh, Dominic you listen to just the first like disc I sent you of uh, well of the track recommendations Mm -hmm. and that's like 40 minutes worth of music by itself. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, uh, and there's another like hour and 15 minutes on the second disc of stuff to go through. But um, yeah, so I decided that this was probably the better way to go. Split it up into two episodes rather than just try to like pick here and there what I wanted and then not really do this thing justice. So now as far as this goes, Dominic, this is kind of your first like real, real exposure to Falcom Sound Team, right? That's right. Okay. So for those unfamiliar with the previous podcast, we've since retired on the site. I put in a lot of music into the things like I would put breaks in and just throw in music just because I wanted people to listen to music. And I would put Falcom Sound Team a lot in there. I was always looking for an excuse to throw in something from Falcom Sound Team. And this podcast was a perfect way to just get it going. So I did want to go ahead and talk about this disc or this soundtrack in particular, not just because I really like it. I do really like it, but it's not even my favorite E soundtrack by a mile at this point. The reason why I want to talk about this is a little bit more of a personal level. And I I told Dominic, because just before we started, I'm probably going to be bloviating for a little while here just on why I'm wanting to do this, but it's a little personal. The reason why I'm wanting to do this is a friend of mine who was the editor-in-chief of RP Gamer passed away about six months ago, Michael Cunningham. His nickname was Mac uh, because his middle name was A, so it was just Michael A. Cunningham, so everyone just kind of called him Mac. Um, I'm going to probably not edit this one quite as heavily just because I don't... Any emotional response I kind of want to keep in here. So if there's occasional pause that you're not really used to with us, I normally cut those out just for sake of like listening ease, I suppose. But this, you know, this is kind of going to be a real reaction for me. So if there's anything like pausing or maybe me saying um a little bit more than I normally do or that you're used to me doing, um, that's going to be why. So E7 kind of holds like the... The game in it, the soundtrack, kind of holds like a special place um, in, I guess, my heart and my brain for me. Originally, I was looking for something to play on my PSP. Um, I had just finished playing Lunar Silver Star Harmony, the remake of Lunar, um, and not really thinking about like who had developed it. I was looking at the publisher, Exceed Games, and I started looking at what they were doing. And the next thing that I think was the most recent game they had published or were going to publish was E7. And I had a very, very mild familiarity with the series. I played Ease 3, um, Wanderers from Ease on the Super Nintendo. 
And that soundtrack was sort of the, or that game, that game soundtrack was sort of the impetus for this podcast and, but more as a written thing. Originally, the idea of Rock Out With Your Card Out for me as a written thing was, I guess the the name of it was kind of inspired by the fact that like these games suck, but they have great soundtracks and that's Wanderers from Ease. Like that soundtrack is killer and that game just is not good at all. And that was my inspiration for it. It was a weekend rental when I was a kid on the Super Nintendo, and I was very upset about it. But I do remember uh, the, like the soundtrack like sticking out with me. And that was you know twenty years ago now at this point. And I look back and I'm like, man, that was that was a weird starting point for me for ease because now it's like probably my favorite RPG series. And now you know like looking back where I got started with it, it's like man, it's kind of a kind of a huge step. So anyway, I was looking for E7, and I started looking at reviews, and most of it were. I wasn't getting a good sense of what the game was. And when I stumbled upon Max review for it on RP Gamer, it was sort of a reintroduction to RP Gamer for me. I had read them like way, way back in the kind of like AOL days and dial up days of the internet. And I, I didn't really follow video game sites that heavily. This, this review, like Mac had come in at this as this was his first ease game. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. This guy has about the same amount of familiarity with the series. So this is going to like be perfect for me to read his opinion on it. And as I read it, I was like, oh, okay, this sounds like great. And then he started talking about the soundtrack being great. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I gave it a shot and I nearly immediately fell in love with this soundtrack. The opening thing is called Innocent Primeval Breaker. And that's um, actually that made was one of my favorite like introductory things on the first episode of this podcast that I did by myself. And... After the game started, one of the tracks we're going to be talking about today popped up and I was just immediately hooked. I'm like, oh, whoever composed this stuff and I I want more of this. I Whatever they do, I'm game. I want to see what they do. And that was sort of the impetus for me checking out Falcom Sound Team more and more heavily and Falcom in general. Um, I ended up really liking E7 quite a bit and it got me where I just kind of religiously follow the series now and just buy everything blindly. It doesn't matter like what people say. Um, if you are familiar with the site and any of my writing, I actually put um, Ease 8, uh, Lacrimosa of Dana, as my uh, favorite game of 2016 over The Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild, or 2017. So it beat out Breath of the Wild, and uh, when I reviewed it, I gave it a 5 out of 5, which I don't do too, too often. So that was uh, a big thing for me. Um, anyway, Ease 7... Um, like I said, it, it introduced me to Max work, got me following RP Gamer. It was probably also the impetus of just me getting into podcasting because I started listening to some of their podcasts and I was just like, oh, you know, like these are just people who don't do this for a living. They kind of do it in their spare time for fun. I'm like, I could do this. So that sort of started me podcasting like, oh, God, probably seven years ago, eight years ago at this point. Um, So... I started following Max work a little bit more heavily and he got, or I, I found him on Twitter. We started talking on Twitter and eventually we became Twitter pals. He followed me on Twitter, which was like a big thing. You know, it's like kind of that, like, Ooh, senpai noticed me sort of thing. You know, it's like, Oh man, a guy I respect. Um, he actually is interested in, you know, having a conversation with me. It was kind of like a flattering thing. Um, I would say a few years later, I, I I was floating around the site and I saw that there was a position open for a staff reviewer for RP Gamer and I emailed Mac about it and mentioned that, hey, you know, I do run my own site and I do this. And when he emailed me back, um, he mentioned that he had read my stuff before, which like 
it, it wasn't flooring, but it was kind of flooring that it's like this guy whose opinion I respected, who was running, I think at the, yeah, at the time he was the editor, he had become the editor in chief of RP Gamer and, you know, was running a, you know, pretty big site, like took the time out of his day to look at my writing for no other reason than just, you know, we were kind of pals and he just wanted to see. And I was like, that's, I don't know, it was a big deal for me. Um, circumstances with something else I was going to do, um, employment wise kind of kill that chance for me. So I had to email him and tell him I, you know, I was going to have to back out because just the amount of time I would have to dedicate and I didn't want to jump on board and then not be able to fulfill the duties and everything of being a staff reviewer for RP Gamer. Um, I don't really know how far along I was going to get in the process or if I was even in consideration, but you know, Mac had said he read my stuff and he said that, uh, you know, you're a little bit more positive than, than we tend to be, but uh, we tend to beat that out of our writers pretty quickly, <laughs> which I appreciated. Um, so I let him know that, you know, I was going to have to bow out and, you know, it was kind of the, the end of that. And I just decided like, you know, I'm going to stick with my thing this way. I don't ever, I'm not beholden to anybody else's schedule. And if something goes up late, it's because of me and I only have to answer to me on this site because I pay for everything. So <laughs> it's not really that big of a deal. You know, it's like, nobody's going to get mad at me, but me, and I do that enough in my daily life. So why the hell not? Um, a few years ago, Mac um, was diagnosed with cancer, and throughout the whole thing, he remained incredibly positive. Um, you know, he he seemed to absolutely refuse to let it get him down. He would go in for treatments where they were, like, shooting lasers at him, and he would just, like, tweet, like, you know, I'm, I'm getting shot with lasers, pew, pew, or something like that. He would talk about bringing his... Um, his Vita or his 3DS or just whatever he had, mostly his Vita. He had a strong love of the Vita. Um, and, you know, he, he started the hashtag team handheld thing on Twitter and just, I, I don't know how the guy stayed so positive throughout it. Um, a, I'd say maybe about a year ago, um, I was listening to the kind of flagship podcast from RP Gamer, uh, RPG cast. And a couple of the guys over there had mentioned um, that they liked Tactics Ogre better than Final Fantasy Tactics. And if you are familiar, or if you're at all familiar with my gaming preferences, Tactics Ogre is, you know, depending on the day of week, uh, my favorite video game. And I think it's infinitely better than Final Fantasy Tactics. And um, so I, I, I wanted to befriend these guys because I was like, oh, you know, it's like these guys are like my brothers in arms here. I feel like we're it's like us against this gigantic world of like Final Fantasy Tactics fans. So I um, I started talking to them a little bit and then I got the idea that I wanted to do a game club with them. Um, but since they were part of RP Gamer staff, I wanted to check in with Mac before and I um, DM'd him on Twitter, asked him if it was cool if I used them. I said, if not, no harm. You know, I, I just wanted to run it by you. I didn't want to step on your toes. And his... Uh, his one stipulation for it was that I made sure I got RP Gamer right because he uh, he said many many times people have said RPG Gamer and that uh, that breaks his heart every time he sees it. Doesn't matter how often it happens. <laughs> um, so yeah, we um, so we we I started working on getting the walkthrough put together and all the uh, the show notes and the day we um, the day we recorded, um, Mac got admitted to the hospital. Um, he had a bunch of tests tests done and his cancer had progressed very very badly and the treatment was going to stop um uh the the last part of his of that tweet was uh limited access to the phone still smiley though and um 
Josh Carpenter, one of the guys on there, uh, had let me know. I think he was the one who had let me know about it, and I was just like, oh, no. And um, it was the next day. I was trying to get this podcast put together for for him because, like, you know, it was sort of a thing. Like, I was doing it. Like, I wanted him to hear it because it was like, hey, I've got these two incredibly bright guys from your staff that, you know, were willing to slum it with me effectively. And I really appreciated that. So I want I, – so I – Normally, a podcast that's like two and a half hours long will take me a couple of days or three days to edit. I did this all in one sitting. I, I got it together as quickly as I could, adjusted the sound as as well as I could. Um, unfortunately, the uh, the next day, um, he he had sorry, I'm getting a little emotional here. You'll it's not just the Mac thing. Um, if you know me personally, I lost my grandmother about a month ago, and my grandmother's also incredibly important to me and so this is kind of choking me up a little here just you know having lost her pretty recently and then kind of revisiting mac um so if i if i start to my voice starts to tremble a little bit from maybe crying a little bit then you'll have to forgive that <laughs> um mac tweets out the next day that uh not the end at all but going home with hospice today uh thank you for all your kind words it means so much to me and um about four days later mac passed away um it was kind of heartbreaking. It hit me a lot harder than I thought it was going to. Um, you know, you don't really realize how close you are with people until something like that happens, I guess. I, I just sort of always assumed Mac was going to beat cancer. And he was just such a positive light in the industry. Um, on the site, he was just... Everybody on that site, like, adored Mac. He, from what I could gather, he sort of took RP Gamer in the direction it is now. Um, people that he didn't even work for RP Gamer reached out and, you know, we're just like, Mac was such a positive light. Um, somebody from, uh, NIS America, um, that I was sort of familiar with that Mac had introduced me to, um, getting review codes. He would send Mac physical copies of the games because, um, Mac was a big physical collector. He loved, you know, he, Mac loved video games first and foremost, you know, I mean, that was, that was his hobby, his, his passion, his love. And the fact that he, you know, had a wife, and, um, you know, a regular job and still managed to run RP Gamer at the same time and still, like, make time for, like, you know, guys like me who weren't even on staff, just, you know, friends or whatever. Like, if I ever needed a, um, um, like, a connection, he would just, you know, it, he was there. It, it was no problem whatsoever. He, he was more than happy to help any way he could. And Mac was and still is just this incredible, like inspiration for me of sorts um when he passed away i was messaging gore a uh, sort of the main writer on the site and about it and i said this hit me a lot harder than i thought it would and um <clears throat> excuse me here i'm trying to <laughs> not start crying here um mac um but or you know I, I told him this hit me a lot harder than i thought it would and um he said it shouldn't um because you know he was a friend he was a mentor and a inspiration to me and he said of course it's going to hit you and it it did it hit me pretty hard and <clears throat> excuse me um like i said get into it now it's it, you know i think about it and it's like i i can only i can only hope i can ever be as like talented and as nurturing and just a good guy as mac was so um <clears throat> so i wanted to do this podcast as sort of a tribute to mac it I wrote something on RP Gamer, and that helped me a little bit too, but I wanted to do my own thing for him because, like I said, this soundtrack is incredibly important to me just for having introduced me to Ease, 
um, Falcom Sound Team and Mac and his work and RP Gamer and you know I've made some friends over there um, and yeah so I mean this that's the kind of impetus of this podcast so uh, I, I'm sorry I've been you know talking for 15 minutes about uh, somebody you know who who's pretty important to me without me having realized it and um, yeah I I just want to kind of get that out of the way this way we could talk about the game and or the game soundtrack without me. Uh, you know, delving into like this part of it again. I, I kind of wanted to get this out of the way at the top so we could, uh, I could get that covered. But yeah, like I said, Mac, Mac was just a really great guy and I'm, I'm happy to have been able to call him a friend. So, um, anyway, so I guess, I guess enough of the sappy stuff. <laughs> um, th- <laughs> thanks for putting up with that, Dominic. I appreciate that. <laughs> no problem, man. So today we're, like I said, we're talking about E7 soundtrack. If you're unfamiliar with Ease, it is an action RPG that uh, stars Adol Christian, who is a redheaded swordsman who uh, has a, we'll say, tendency to get shipwrecked on each and every single game to the point where it's a running joke now in the series. In the beginning of E7, him and his uh, best friend and traveling companion, Dogi, they get off the boat and Dogi even comments that like, wow, I'm amazed we got off or, you know, got off without a hitch on, on, the, on a boat ride with you on the boat. Uh, later on, of course, they end up on a boat again and they end up uh, shipwrecked somewhere. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's sort of, uh, yeah, it, it's like, oh, we, we, th- we think we got, got off scot-free and no, not so much. Actually, the plot of E8 is the boat gets destroyed and the whole thing is putting a boat back together so they can escape the island. So it's just like, yeah, okay. Uh, it, it's, they're, they're in on their own joke, clearly. And I, and I, I adore them for that <laughs> because it's just like, oh, hey, it all got shipwrecked. Again, it's like, why does anybody let this man on a boat is beyond me. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, this is this is sort of my real first introduction to Falcom Sound Team JDK, which is the in-house composition and musician group of Falcom. The composers specifically for this one were uh, Hayato Sonoda, Takahiro Unasuga, uh, Saki Momiyama, and Masunori Osaki. As far as like the compositions goes on who did what, I don't know specifically because they're... It, you know, when they credit these things, normally it's just a, it's credited as like Falcom Sound Team, but here's the specific composers that worked on it. I'm not going to be able to tell you who composed what, but if you start listening to things, you will certainly hear certain styles that pop up and you're like, okay, well, this was certainly the same composer that did this, that did this. So, but yeah, like I said, I wanted to be able to do something for Falcom Sound Team specifically because they are far and away my favorite video game music composition group and band. Like they're just just wonderful and they have a breadth of variety in their music i tend to lead a little bit more heavily towards the rock side of stuff so i tried to inject a little bit more than just that because i didn't want to just be a one trick pony here so uh dominic as you uh you mentioned off the air you found this kind of the soundtrack kind of surprising yeah really surprising actually i wasn't expecting this at all <laughs> and the reason is i found this track extremely extremely surprising because i wasn't expecting such variety and I'm glad you decided to pick and choose which songs you wanted to play that had a different sound opposed to just playing the same old rock and roll, really fast paced stuff, because it allowed me to understand what the Falcom sound team are capable of. They have such a breadth of talent in this group, and that is the secret mission of this podcast is to somehow uh, wedge Dominic into Falcom Sound Team. Uh, this way I have access to their library, and my presence on the internet will just disappear as I just sit there and uh, listen to their music uh, infinitely, and maybe even go see them live or something like that. <laughs> uh, get, get to sit in on recording sessions because, hey, I'm friends with the guy who works in there. 
Yeah, I'm so. just the hook. I'm just the hook. <laughs> yeah, that's all this podcast is. That's all all of these podcasts are. It's just a way to get popular enough that Dominic can get hired by Falcom Sound Team uh, to play guitar go. for them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The day, the day this podcast just stops airing and the site lapses and all the stuff just stops. It's like, you will know Dominic now works for Falcom Sound Team and I have disappeared to Japan with my family so I can sit there and just listen to this shit constantly. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. What oh. a dream. Oh man, I love it. I love it. That's, that's like I said, that is that is that is the uh, long-term goal of this podcast. Likely it will never happen, even if Dominic does get hired by... Uh, uh, you know, well, I'm talking to you like you're not here. Even if you are uh, talking about you like you're not here. Even if you do get hired by Falcom Sound Team, uh, you know, I don't think my wife is going to be too keen on just packing up and leaving to go to Japan so I can sit there and listen to video game soundtracks constantly. <laughs> hey, you never know. Yeah, you you know, never know. That's true. Maybe we hit Japan the lottery or something. Place. It is. Uh, it's super expensive. And um, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, well, yeah. We, yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, I can say a lot about Japan, so yeah. I'll probably just keep my mouth shut. Yeah, probably. I can go on and on. <laughs> yeah, let, let, let's not. Uh, let's not. Uh, I, I think I bloviated enough for the first part of this podcast, so let's not. Uh, let's not bore uh, them any further with uh, just <laughs> talk about how how much how much of a like closeted weebs we might be possibly. <laughs> yeah, seriously, right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, let's go ahead and move on to the music here. The first track is it's called "In the Busting Square," but it's got to be "Bustling Square." I it's like that on the soundtrack. It's like that on the YouTube track. I. Don't know how that got by anybody, but hey, whatever. It's so in the busting square is the first track, and then the second track we'll be listening to is Mother Earth Altago, and Altago is the um, the country that this game takes place in. So we will listen to those, and we'll come right back.
Alright, so that first one again was in the busting square. The reason I picked this one was when Adol and Do Dogi land in Altago, Dogi comments on the fact that they managed to get on land without the ship crashing, which is amazing with Adol on board because, like I said, the man is just a curse for ships, basically. And this song, it's fun, and I think it meshes in really well with the, uh, the the comments Dogi is making about just the jokes of like, oh, gee, we managed to get on dry land without, you know, washing ashore, basically, because you wrecked the ship somehow. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, I really, I really dug that, and this thing's got a really, like, great use of, like, different instrumentation to give it a feel of, like, a peaceful and fun coastal town. It keeps like kind of switching instruments that take in the forefront. And that's a great idea because you hear this quite a bit because this city that you land in is sort of the hub that you keep going back to for a little while. And throughout the game, you keep coming back to this place. And the switching of the instrumentation kind of keeps it fresh for something that's likely capable of coming across as very repetitive after a while. And if you listen really close, like there is a it kind of trails off into a piano thing just before it does the loop. Like it does this like little piano thing that I really dig. And it's just like, Oh, that's a nice pretty way to kind of loop it without it just being this jarring, like, okay, here's the loop. And you know, just like, okay, here's, here it is at, uh, you know, a minute 12 or whatever it is. And now we start over again from the exact beginning. It just kind of sounds the same. It's like, Oh, okay. So it gives this nice segue rather than just this hard loop of like, okay, here's the same thing over and over again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was definitely a sophisticated approach, I guess you could say, which was surprising. You know, I actually found this song to be pretty relaxing, believe it or not. And I think that's probably what they were going for after hearing what you just explained, because I, I don't know anything about the game. I don't know anything at all whatsoever. <laughs> so uh, maybe things will start to make sense to me. As far as this track goes, I really like the way the song was composed. It seemed to have been switching. Well, they seem to have been switching between different lead instruments which allowed a scale of length to be provided, keeping the track interesting till the end, which I really like. They made it work for the time you're sitting through it, mm -hmm. you know? I don't know, like I said, what a great sophisticated way to drag the track out for so long without introducing any dead sections. Yeah, or keeping it, like, from getting boring, I think is the, the big worry, I think, with stuff like this. Yeah, that's what I mean by the dead sections. You know, there's none whatsoever, which is great. It's really hard to do with such a long song. Yeah, absolutely. Especially something you're going to be hearing on a loop repeatedly throughout mm -hmm. the game. So it's just like, it's a nice way of keeping it fresh without it yeah, getting stale, which yeah, exactly. is sort of <laughs> sort of the definition of fresh, not stale, right? There <laughs> <laughs> you go. Guys, I'm good with words, aren't I? <laughs> oh, All right, uh, so let's go ahead and move on to Mother Earth Altago. Um, I might, you know, I probably am saying that like three different ways so far. I don't know. And, you know, I... It, there's no voice acting in the game, so the hell if I know how you actually pronounce this thing. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. It's a made-up word. This is the first track that you hear in the overworld, kind of like, it's the first area where you get out of the city and start getting into the combat, and man, let me tell you, this thing was intense for me. This one, outside of Innocent Primeval Breaker, which I, you know, I talked about in the thing I was talking about with Mac before, this connected with me like immediately. It has such a good flow for combat and movement. It just feels like you want to be bouncing around to the next section and even the most like trivial like encounters with enemies in the game like having this sort of music playing while you're doing it it keeps it fresh throughout like i remember as like i was wrapping the game up and i would come through this area again and there were these just these weak enemies that served no purpose in me eliminating anymore because like i was so over leveled at that point i would still take the time to just beat the shit out of them because just the track just kept me going <laughs> 
about a minute in, there's this synth horn thing that comes into the forefront, and that really does it for me. I don't really know how else to explain it, but man, I, I totally, totally dig this thing. Like a minute 23, 24 seconds in, an acoustic guitar kicks in, and that, I think the first couple times I listened to it was sort of like where it got me to appreciate how good Falcom Sound Team is at mixing electronic stuff and like acoustic and natural instrumentation. It's it's really something. And then it's incredibly subtle. I mean, maybe I, maybe I think it's subtle. I don't know, Dominic, you might be a little bit more keen on picking it up, but like the percussion in the background is like really understated, but it holds all of this stuff together so well. And the more I noticed it, like the tracks that have some kind of percussion, like it totally like, it, it never, well, there's a couple of tracks that we'll talk about today, but it never comes in like the forefront, of like smacking in the face, like here's the drum solo, but it just does such a good job of keeping the track together that I, I think their ability to write percussion stuff is vastly underrated. And I really appreciate how good it does at keeping all this stuff together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I found that uh, when you're mixing drums, uh, it's really easy to push the drums into the forefront because it's such a dominant instrument. And it takes skill to actually mix it in to where it's just laid back behind the rhythm where you want it to sit. You could still hear it. You know, it's still obviously there. Mm -hmm. I'm actually very surprised with what I'd call the layout of this particular track. It's very complex runs and being backed by a super solid rhythm section, a well thought out path, I thought, and extraordinary instrumentation. Yeah, they used a lot of different stuff in this. And it's kind of a theme throughout this thing. Like, I mean, we've been in two tracks and we've both commented on like the use of different instrumentation throughout these things. Mm hmm. Like I said, Falcom Sound Team, they're they're my favorite for a reason. They they just have such a diversity of talents that I just I appreciate the hell out of because it's like like I said, it's just not this rock soundtrack throughout. It it gives you a little bit of a thing to calm down with and then give you a reason to be pumped up. Like if it was just like kind of rock music throughout, it would definitely, I think, lose some of its edge. Oh yeah, it'd be pretty bleak to me. <laughs> <laughs> it was just I, I I think it's like a tonal thing, like, you know, if you're at a, a constant level of intensity it doesn't seem intense anymore. You know, it's, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't, I, don't I, I guess it's like different variations of like people who run or work out or whatever. Like, you know, me looking at some like power lifter or whatever. It's like, I see that. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I couldn't do that. <laughs> and, and for them, it's just like, you know, it's every day. It's not a big deal. And you know, for me, who guy who doesn't do that, it's like, Oh, okay. Well that's, that's nuts. You know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe that's the reason why people like see me when I'm working and they're just like, God, you're so intense. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just moving, okay? Just, yeah, keep up. <laughs> I'm just moving, that's all. Yeah, no big deal. So, <laughs> anyway, um, anything else on those two? Well, honestly, I comparing this track to the previous track, mm -hmm. um, I was actually very surprised because I wasn't expecting a track with enough to BPM, which I found to be very likable. I, I like faster tracks. Mm -hmm. They just, I don't know, I don't know what it is. I just like them more. You and me both. And uh, <laughs> this one was definitely a change of pace. You know, I wasn't expecting this. Like I said, I really dig this one. It's not just one particular section that grabs my attention, but the whole track. Yeah, it comes together so well. And like I said, that's why I, I did want to start off with uh, in the busting square. God, I just It should just be the bustling square. I don't. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> like I want to start off with that, especially for you, because, you know, you've never played the game before. And this is your sort of real introduction outside of like the little bit I've played for you here and there of Falcom Sound Team of like, hey, this is what they do, and this is kind of what it sounds like, give you kind of like a like like a head fake almost, like, oh, yeah, it's like, hey, here's here, here's something cool, but it's nothing too, like, nutty to listen to, and then you get to this one, you're like, oh, this is completely different. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely some different flavors in here, which I like. It's good. 
Variety is excellent. Yep. Like I said, that's what I was going for with the soundtrack. I didn't want to just put like the hard rocking stuff that I'm totally into that I run to, that I work to, that I work out to. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, this is, there's, there's a lot of other good stuff in here that I really appreciate. So let's go ahead and move on to the next two tracks. The next two we're going to be talking about are Vacant Interference and Children in the Shadows. There's, you know what? I don't think it's in, I think, I don't think it's going to be in this one, but on the, uh, the next episode, there's going to be a track that has a very unfortunate name. Sometimes you really wish they would give the track titles to somebody, a, a natural English speaker, because sometimes you're just like, <laughs> like I said, uh, vacant interference. It's like, what the hell does that even mean? But anyway, uh, let's go ahead and play those and you'll see uh, what I'm talking about. I yeah, Whatever. Anyway, here, here we go. Here they are. <laughs>
So, first thing we listened to there was Bacon Interference, and I'm pretty sure this is the first boss theme that shows up. Man, here is where Falcom Sound Team, like, they really show their stuff. That last track, any other game, that could have been a boss theme. This is a boss theme. Like I said, the difference between, like, the overall tracks and the boss themes is the, the overall themes will slap you in the face. This thing just straight punches you in the face <laughs> with how heavy it is. I'm pretty sure it's a bass guitar in the beginning, right? Is that what it is? Yeah, it okay. is. Okay. And then it sort of takes seat, backseat to a violin. And I've mentioned before that I really like dig violins in like really fast paced stuff and just in general, because uh, I think that's in the next track too. But it complements it incredibly well. Like it lets the violin come to the forefront and just sort of, I guess, take take over. But that, that bass guitar in the background is just there and it's really great. Again, this is probably going to be a theme with the more heavy hitting tracks. The, the, the drumming in this is just fantastic. I... It almost makes me want to play drums because I know I'm not coordinated enough to play guitar because my fingers aren't, you know, don't have the dexterity for it. Um, <laughs> 41 seconds in, the best I can describe it is butt rock guitar comes in and man, I'm in love with that stuff, dude. I I love it. It's If you've ever listened to like the Dynasty Warriors soundtracks, basically the soundtrack just come across as butt rock and this is, that is exactly what that part is in this and then just, I adore it. A minute 53, the violin comes back for a bit and then fades out, lets the guitar take back over. I think it's like two minutes and 35 seconds in both guitar and the violin start going together and they're just perfect together. And I, like I said, I, I love this track and it's not even by a mile my favorite track in the soundtrack. And I adore this thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I really dig how the violins and the lead guitars bounce back and forth off of each other. Mm-hmm. It really adds a lot of depth. It keeps track going. I honestly think I just found a new track for my playlist. I'm, I really like this one. Yeah. Talk about a track that keeps pushing up to new heights. Yeah. I, like I said, when I was picking this one out, I was thinking, I was like, bet you Dominic's going to really dig this one. <laughs> you know, and as if it needed any more depth to it, it all worked out all too well. You know, I was really surprised that it just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and adding variety, mm-hmm. which is cool. The rhythm and bass guitar seem to, to be totally locked in with what's going on. Percussions are incredible really incredible the snare drum really caught my attention i don't know if it was just the way it was mixed in but it didn't seem to overpower anything else mm-hmm. you know 
it has a lot of power and depth, but not so much that it sticks out, but it fits in snug, you know, allowing all the other instruments to, to rest in the forefront. Yeah. See, that's what I really dig about Falcom sound teams. Like the, just the percussion stuff. Like it's, it's there enough that you can hear it without listening too hard, but it never is overpowering unless they mean it to be overpowering. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of like, it's the glue that holds all of these things together. And I mean, like I said, there's just so much like rock and stuff in this. And I don't know how often a violin gets used in like really heavy rock stuff, but Falcom sound team just does it exquisitely. And I love it. Yeah. It works well, man. It's, it's kind of weird how well it works out, mm-hmm. but it, it works, you know, everything, everything in this track was in perfect synchronicity. Ooh, did you get a word of the day calendar, man? That's a big one. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Bloviate is my new one. I use that on uh, multimedia, uh. the multimedia failure I just recorded. Uh, that one won't be out for a few weeks. But, uh, yeah, that uh, Bloviate's mine. And so, uh, uh, boy, you want to you want to say that one again? I, I, I'm i already – I think I'm going to stumble over it. Uh. <laughs> Bloviate, huh? Yeah. But, what uh, does that mean? Uh, basically, you just – you know what? I almost just used a big uh, – just as big a word to describe it. Uh, I was, I was say, it's basically pontificating. It's like, oh, Jesus Christ, Jason. You know, you're losing me here. Pretentious? <laughs> Moi? Never. <laughs> basically, you're just like talking up like something just like full of yourself while you're talking. You know what I mean? Mm, okay. So, <laughs> so the opposite of vacant interference is Children in the Shadows. This one is uh, really melancholy and – it's only violin and piano. I kept listening, like, am I missing something? Is this only piano and violin? And nope, that was it through the whole thing. And they work really well together. I I really dig this track, despite how sad it is. But as we talked about Megan when she was on a couple episodes ago, I kind of like sad music occasionally. And this was definitely one. In the emotional state I've been in lately, this might not have been the best track to listen to <laughs> for me. Because I started getting a little mopey. But uh, yeah, I really dug this one. Yeah. You know, it really does have like a a genuine heartfelt sound to it, you know, and I think it was, you know, obviously written that way for a reason, but just the emotion put into it really tells you how the composer thinks, I guess you could say, and how much emotion they put into their music or they can put into their music, which is great. That just tells you how good of composers they are, you know? Yeah. Honestly, I'm not really sure how I feel about this one. I mean, I like the track. I'm just having a hard time understanding the emotion it's provided me. You know, I don't know whether to whether or not to be sad or or, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out. But I truly like this song. Yeah. And I'm going to be honest, like it's been years since I played E7. It was basically what it was very contemporary. Like, I think it was like I think Mac had gotten the review out like the day it was out or, you know, you know, within a day or two of it. And I read it like I think the day it went up or maybe a few days after. So like as soon as I read his review and got a good handle on it, I was like, oh. Okay, I'm buying this game, and I went out and bought it and played through it within a couple of weeks. I, I adored it, and but unfortunately, that was a that was years ago at this point. I mean, we're talking like seven, eight years ago, maybe even nine. I don't know, but it's yeah. been a while. And I'm gonna say the ease stories don't really ever stick out very well in my brain. It's the I go there for the music and the combat, basically, and the uh, you know the the funny in jokes of. You know, Adol can't get on a ship without the damn thing getting sunk somehow. Uh, Dogie gets trapped in something and busts through a wall because he's just this, like, kind of big, hulking mass of a person. <laughs> As opposed to <laughs> Adol, who's this, like, kind of, uh, you know, slight, just uh, lithe uh, swordsman, basically. So it's just, like, you just have these two contrasting guys who have 
incredibly contrasting, um, not character traits, but things that they're known for. Basically, like I said, Adol is known for uh, whatever ship he gets on ends up sinking, and Dogi is known for getting stuck in something and then having to bust through a wall somehow. <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous yeah but like i said the the emotional part of this i don't really remember like what it was but it like i said it does make me think like whatever it was that was going on at the moment was uh sad or you know at least a little melancholy so gotcha <laughs> you know actually if i remember right i think uh it all bumps into a bunch of orphans in a like hiding out in like a sewer system i think that's what it is well that's that's pretty sad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, now that I'm thinking about it. it's it's Some of this stuff might come back to me as we're talking about it. I don't know for sure. And if anybody has played E7 recently and I'm wrong, please don't crucify me for it. Because like I said, it's been it's been closer to a decade than not since I played this. So anyway, um, if you're ready to move on. Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Let's go ahead and move on to Extensive Forest Green and Great Tree. And I think the like the parenthetical part of that is Shinoa. I think that's the area it takes place in. Or if I, yeah, geez, yeah, like I said, it's been a long time since I played this game. I really should just play E7 again just for the hell of it. So I'm a little more familiar. But at this point, a little, little late for that. <laughs> so, <laughs> But anyway, uh, we'll go ahead and play those two tracks for you and come right back.
the first thing we listened to was Extensive Forest Green. This is yet another Overworld track, and like I mentioned before, this just has that trademark pacing of an Ease Overworld theme, and it nails you in the head with it, like, right away. Uh, the Woodwind section is perfect for the forest area that this takes place in. About 38 seconds in, I think is what I put the note down as. The strings start this build-up that kind of builds to, well, that's what a build-up is. <laughs> it builds up to, and then culminates in this synth horn thing, taking the forefront for about 20 seconds or about 20 seconds later it i just like i said there's just so many parts to this one that i really like and again by a mile not my favorite track in the soundtrack not even the favorite track in this disc and i really really like this thing they're just a great use of fitting the woodwinds throughout the most of it without it feeling forced best i can say is this this track just flows together incredibly well yeah honestly i think using a woodwind instrument can really deplete a track by throwing it off but in this track, it's been skillfully placed and works perfectly. The instrument has such a, a unique standalone sound, but if worked correctly, it, it'll make the track. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like, I really dig how Falcom just is capable of adding stuff in that, like you said, like Woodwind by itself is normally not a standalone, but you need something more subtle playing along with it. Mm -hmm. And this feels like they just masterfully crafted mm -hmm. it into the track. Well, see, I'm noticing more and more that the instruments that they tend to use are strategically placed. Like, they know where they should be. They know how high or how low they should go. Just like an orchestra, you know, you don't want a freaking, uh, you know, well, I, I don't know what they're called, but, like, essentially a stand-up bass guy, whatever the hell that instrument's called. I should know this. I think it's, an, I think it's just called an upright bass, isn't it? And, uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, anyway, you wouldn't want that playing a, a lead violinist section, you know, it just wouldn't sound right. Yeah. It'd be cool as a standalone instrument, but it doesn't work in a mix. And it seems like the Falcon uh, sound team knows exactly where certain instruments or sounds should be placed and how they should be placed. Absolutely. And uh, my thing is I would love, love, love to get in. And this is why you have to get hired by them eventually. To see like their process of composing this stuff, like do they compose it and then play it and be like, you know what, this needs to get pulled back a little bit and then start pulling stuff out or adding stuff in. Like I wonder how many drafts each one of these tracks goes through because you listen to them and it's like, like I said, we're, we're listening to, I would say like the cream of the crop of the variety of this disc and there's not a clunker in this thing. There's like almost nothing in this thing that I can point at and be like, eh, I didn't really dig this. Everything else we've listened to, there's always like one track or two that I'm kind of like, hey, at a certain point, this kind of does this and I don't dig this. There is not a, I don't want to say these are flawless because they're not, but like there's nothing that stands out to me when I listen to these things that I'm like, oh, this isn't great. You know, it's like, oh, this could be better. It's just a constant stream of quality that I just adore this this group for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they never lose traction, which is great. That is a much more succinct way of putting it, putting it <laughs> as I uh, bloviated once again. <laughs> Try to. <laughs> Everybody take a shot as I say bloviate and you'll be drunk within the first 20 minutes of this podcast. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, uh, let's go ahead and move on to Great Tree, uh, Shanoa. There's a great percussion in the beginning. It gives a bit of a generic like tribal feel to it, but it's really well done. Again, they use woodwinds throughout this thing. And in the first minute, they it really adds to the depth of it. it changes up about a minute in. It becomes a little bit more electronic for a bit. But after a few seconds, the natural stuff comes back and they start complementing each other very well. And like we were just saying, they 
they just seem to like have this incredible ear for what works, what doesn't work, and when it should and should not work. And I I cannot emphasize how much I respect Falcom Sound Team for that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. Uh, for some reason, I'm getting like a, a slight Middle Eastern feel out of this one. You know, I don't know if it's just the scaling at that particular part. I can't exactly tell you which section it is. I mean, it's it's near the, the intro, mm-hmm. but it sounds like a Middle Eastern like a, a Middle Eastern scale, you know, is it kind of um, it's some sort of like maybe it's like one of the woodwinds, like the flute or something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. OK, I, I totally see that. Like I can almost picture like like I said, if it wasn't for like the percussion, that's what sort of makes it feel a little bit more like Amazonian, like tribal sort of thing to me. Mm-hmm. But I think if that that like woodwind thing that you're talking about or that's what I think you're talking about, I think that might be where you're getting that vibe, because I think you take out the like the percussion part of it think I totally would like would get that like you would picture that like fitting in like Aladdin basically <laughs> exactly you know it, it, it's funny because this track like the intro the percussions add some crazy diversity because it sounds to me like in my head you're being placed in one part of the world you know not in America but some other part of the world and then you move to some uh, you know Middle Eastern place and then the track progresses and it starts to continue uh, combine like modern scales that my ears are more familiar with, mm-hmm. with sounds that I hear coming from, you know, like the UK or the United States, you know, something played in, in four, four, you know, the time signature. Yeah. And, and I think that's, what's keeping me hooked is it keeps changing. You hear these cool percussions, then that weird sound, and then it goes back to something I'm familiar with and it just jumbles it up, which is cool. Yeah, it does a good job of keeping you kind of interested throughout the whole thing. Like it does, it does this sort of stuff of just like, oh, here's what you're, here's something that you like expected to go one way, and then it starts doing something else, and it's like, oh, that's not what I was listening to, or thought exactly. I was listening to, and then it does it again. You're like, what the hell? It's like, God, you guys, <laughs> it, 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 it's almost like, guys, make up your mind, but at the same time, you don't want to make up their minds because it's, uh, yeah, it, it just adds such a variety to these things that makes them like repeatably listenable. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Speaking of listenable, we are going to go ahead and listen to what is at the, I would say, this point would be my second favorite track in this disc. is going to be Desert of Despair. And then the next one we'll be listening to is Place of Reticent Lava, uh, Sagram. I don't know what reticent means. <laughs> That's a, that, that has not popped up in my word of the day calendar yet. I've I, I've scanned ahead a few days and it's not there yet. So when uh, when it, when it pops up, I'll I'll let you guys know. Anyway, uh, let's go ahead and play those two, and we'll get back to you. <laughs> Thank you. 
Desert and Despair was the first thing we listened to. And Dominic, I think this may have been where I kind of suckered you back into doing this podcast with me. I, I think I messaged you this thing as just as sort of a nudging you back in the direction of kind of coming into this. I figured if I kept nudging you at it, you might you might decide to do it after all with me. I messaged you and was like, hey, is this a harpsichord I'm hearing in this thing or am I nuts? <laughs> and you listen to it and you're like, hey, this is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I was interested, man. It got me hooked. Yep. So uh, you can almost thank uh, Desert of Despair for getting Dominic on this podcast with me and probably keeping this podcast on a regular schedule because <laughs> I don't know me talking to myself would have been too entertaining for me to do. So uh, anyway, uh, the use of the harpsichord in this mixed with uh, more of the rock-oriented instruments makes this thing stand out so, so well. There's a bunch of electronic stuff that comes in the forefront for about, about 40 seconds in. And just a, a great job of alternating with the guitar as what's the prominent thing being played. There's a bridge, I guess is what you would call it, at about a minute 47, and it's just killer. And it leads right back into the electronic and guitar cut of bantering back and forth, basically. Like I said, this is a highlight of the soundtrack for me. It's a little longer than the rest of them, but it never really lets up. It never feels like it overstays its welcome. About three minutes, seven seconds in... I'm not sure what the instrument is that's going on there, but it takes the forefront for the first time for a bit, leads into a bell, which leads into a synth, which leads into a guitar coming back for a great winding down of this. There's cymbals crashing during the guitar, and it's a great touch. The little swooshing synth sound that happens throughout of it that mm-hmm. you have to listen to or listen for very carefully. It took me a couple of listens to catch it, but man, I dig that. Like I said, there's this is a long one, but there's so much going on. And like I said, for me, this is like a definite standout as to what I like in this thing. Mm-hmm. I can l- literally play this on repeat and it'll still feel new to my ears. The composers were smart to use such a simple rhythm to accompany the leads and everything else that is happening in the track uh, makes it so much easier to follow. The track has an everlasting momentum to it and a lot of repetition yet it keeps fresh, inevitably creating a lengthy, interesting composition. It's a little bit longer than the rest of them, but I, it doesn't feel like they wasted a minute of it. Like, it doesn't feel like there's anything where they were like, uh, we need to drag this out a little bit more, you know? Mm-hmm. And normally, like I said, there's just so much of this thing you're like, oh, hey, there's this part. And it's like, I could kind of cut this here and there. Like, they're... This is just such a perfect example of what Falcom Sound Team is capable of. And I do wonder, like, they kept doing this and it was like, if they had to pull themselves back, it's like, hey, this thing's already, like, almost four minutes long. We should probably trim this back a little bit. <laughs> like I said, I'm, I'm surprised with the length of it and how it just keeps fresh. This team is definitely surprising me with every other track that I listen to. It's it's nuts. I'm glad I surprised you with this because I did want to... Uh, I, I want to do a lot of Falcom Sound Team, and there's a lot more different styles that they do, too, in, uh, in some of their other game series. But the Ease games are the ones I'm more familiar with and more appreciative of. But I thought this would be a great introduction to you for, like, their work as a as kind of a whole to give you a little bit of an idea of the diversity of what they're capable of. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate it, man. This is uh, some really cool stuff, and I appreciate the music. Yeah, like I said, I, there's a lot of this rock stuff that I'm like, I think Dominic's going to dig this shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you're spot on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on to Place of Reticent Lava. Um, this thing is kind of sinister sounding. Uh, the bells and the chimes in the background really, really help sell that. Uh, the percussion, this is kind of the first time this thing kicks in pretty hard, like really like smacks you in the face that it's there. And then kind of subdues a little bit more throughout. But it's, again a huge part of this thing's vibe. It plays such an important role throughout this track. That's about 47 seconds in. Uh, synth kicks in really heavily, and it's just a nice, cool contrast to what is going on in the background. A minute 15 comes in, a piano rolls in, 
And this is, again, one of my favorite things about Falcom Sound Team. They just bring instruments so seamlessly in throughout that you wouldn't think blend together. And you almost don't notice them. And like I said, this is just one of those things that's just like, man, there's so much going on with this track and I adore it. And it's just, uh, I'm going to say that a lot with everything we talk about today, just because, again, I love, love, love this soundtrack. And it is far and away not even close to my favorite E soundtrack. Well. <laughs> That piano never really hits you over the head that it's there. It's it's subtle, but it's obvious it's there. It's It does this really great balancing act of letting you know it's there without screaming at the top. It, it, it Basically, it walks into a party and goes, hey, how's it going, guys? Kind of <laughs> just blends in. It doesn't, like, you know, open up the door, strip off its shirt, put its hands up in the air and scream, Woo! Hey, guys! Party! <laughs> uh, it's placement, my friend. Yep, exactly. About a minute 34, the guitar comes in, sounds oddly mournful, which is kind of a weird vibe for this track just because of how kind of sinister sounding it starts. It really goes for a certain mood that it's trying to set you in, and I feel like it does it incredibly well. Like, I I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to describe it. Like, it sets a mood, and it's not sad. It's not, like scared it just puts you in a certain place like emotionally and i really dig how it does that without maybe i'm speaking for myself but it like i like i said again i don't really remember the part of this game that this is in but vaguely but i feel like it does such a fantastic job of putting you in this mood without any kind of context really mm-hmm. in my opinion this is a standalone track it's different and it has a very interesting time signature you know composing and mix meters can be brutal but they nailed it of course and at 116, it leaps to a time signature most people are familiar with. So that keeps the track flowing, so it, you know, to certain people. It's uh, it's just easier to follow. Oh, is that when the piano kicks in? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yes, sir. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's just, it's interesting, man. This is a, it's a very different, very different. Like I said, I, I did want to kind of highlight the variety of this soundtrack and like i said we're just we're just talking about the first disc here there's a whole nother disc to get through so and there's a whole lot more to get through here we're not even i I think we're maybe halfway done with this so let's go ahead and let's talk about this is definitely my favorite track on this disc of the soundtrack uh smashing through the mountains and the next one is sanctuary of meditation breeze again i wish they would give a native english speaker a pass at these uh track titles so they don't sound quite so ridiculous but whatever when you compose this good who gives a shit what they're called right you could call it poop poop fart fart i don't care i'm gonna listen into it (laughs) so let's uh let's go ahead and listen to those two and we'll come back
Smashing Through the Mountains. God damn it, I love this track. <laughs> this is, again, probably my favorite track on this disc, and that's why I used it for the outro for the last episode. Uh, rhythm guitar, percussion, and electronic stuff, they all just flow together so well in the opening few seconds. 13 seconds in. Symbols Crash, this track just takes off from there. 26 seconds in. It slows down a bit, but it's still just incredibly rich and deep sounding. 54 seconds. It kicks off again and just lets loose, basically. It just goes. A minute 10 is the most memorable part of the track for me. It's just one of those sections that when it kicks in and I'm working or running, it gives me that adrenaline burst I need for that 30 seconds. And I just really push through that last little bit. So if I'm like... Like, if I can time it right and I'm on a lap or whatever and it's my last lap and that plays through, that will, it doesn't matter how many laps around a track I've ran, I can sprint through this and that for that 30 seconds. It just gets me going. Dominic, when you and I used to work together, I, I know you would hear me whistling and I, eventually we ended up talking about what I was whistling to. This was probably the thing you heard me whistling uh, an awful lot while I was throwing. When I needed that extra little push to kind of get my speed back up, this was the track I would kind of go to just because of that one section there. It it gives me enough to get, get me going. There's a buildup where it kind of like you can slowly increase your pace and that 30 seconds gives you that, uh, you know, that 30 seconds of like hard hitting stuff really gives you that like, okay, here we go. Full speed tie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that extra push. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. I uh, I was wondering why the hell I recognized it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've never heard it before. Yeah, I've never actually heard the song. And, uh, or maybe I have, but I've heard you whistle this. Yeah, I was going to say, my dumbass whistling it. That's, that's your only <laughs> context for it. <laughs> but all in all, this is a, it's, it's really a smooth track. Crystal clear rhythm and leads that aren't overpowering any other instrument, which is what I really liked. I think that's what was intended, though. Uh, most tracks I've noticed have strong leads that push their way in front of the rhythm, which is great. Everything just seemed so smooth and fit in so, so well, allowing everything to have its own space, um, which created a lot of depth. Cool track. Yeah, my only complaint, I wish this one was longer. I wish they had kept going with this. But mm -hmm. at the same time, it's like, this is such a succinct and tight song that I'm like, if they had drug it out maybe a little more, maybe I wouldn't have quite such the affinity to it. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I'm taking it as it is. I, I like the track. Yeah. Um, it's it's excellent. Smooth. Very smooth. <laughs> yeah, man, like I said, this is, this is my favorite on this disc, and this is my favorite song that we're talking about on this episode. So I... I, that is as close to a complaint as I can come up with in this thing is I just want more of it. Like I, yeah, I could listen to this thing on like a 45 minute loop and I probably would be fine. <laughs> so, and again, I'm pretty sure this is just another overworld thing. So yeah, like I said, it, it mm. just, it smacks you in the head with just that trademarked ease overworld thing of like, Hey, we're going to be moving fast and kicking ass while we're doing it. I, <laughs> I, I love this series for that. And then I love Falcom sound team for, what they bring to it for that. So anyway, we are going to move on to Sanctuary of Meditation Breeze. This one really is unique for the rest of the soundtrack that we've listened to. It's got a great feeling of being mysterious and morose at the same time. There's a use of violin in every Falcom Sound Team piece that's great, but this one is incredibly strong. There's different string instrumentation throughout. It's just fantastic. This is another one that I struggle to really pinpoint what does it for me, but I just... Again, I love it. It just feels full, for want of a better term. It's just pretty and sets such a specific mood that it's hard not to like it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's there's obviously a, an emotional tick thereafter, and I couldn't pinpoint it either. Um, I like it. Uh, it must be the soft instruments that get me on this one. I, you know, I, I just dig it. And uh, easy progression and likable instruments make for an approachable track that seems to welcome 
the uh, the audience with open arms. <laughs> That's a very good way of putting it. This is one of those ones where I normally don't listen to this one because it's it, like I said, I, I go to Falcom Sound Team mostly when I, I need like a little bit of burst of energy or something, doing household chores or you know work mm. or working out or running. It, it, it's just there for the adrenaline. This has been a great chance to go back and like kind of rediscover some of the stuff that they're also capable of that I normally skip over because they don't really have time to sit there and listen to like, you know, the slower stuff or whatever. Like I listen to a bunch of other podcasts. I, you know, do like two other podcasts on top of this one. And, you know, we, yeah, I got a lot of, got a very limited amount of time and I, and I still do try to take in new stuff outside of all the uh, other stuff I listen or I have listened to. So I, I don't tend to go back to stuff like this, but going back to this really made me appreciate what Falcom Sound Team is capable of. Like, they are very good at setting a specific mood. And again, I wish I remembered the context for it, but this thing just, it puts you in a mood. And it's such a, it's such a weird thing to do because it puts you in a mood that you're not 100% sure of what that mood is. But it, it definitely is going for that mood. And whatever it does, it nails it fantastically. And again, I... Like I said, it really just sounds like I'm sitting here just, um, you know, <clears throat> sucking off Falcom Sound Team, but they're they're my favorite for a reason. Out of the, you know, 800 and something albums, man, I I keep going back to Falcom Sound Team over and over and over again for a reason because they are just good every time. They're consistently solid, and even their clunkers sometimes are better than most of the average or good tracks I've heard in some other soundtracks, so... Mm-hmm. You know, I I completely agree with you. Uh, I'm amazed with with this team. I really am. They're just so diverse. It's it's crazy. Man, just wait till we uh, eventually cover like Ease Eight. Hmm. Yeah, that'd be interesting. When I was uh, trying to originally sell you on the idea of doing a podcast with me, that was some of the stuff I played for you. Was a couple of tracks from Ease Eight, and like I said, man, mm-hmm. I it's it's really good. That was also my favorite album of 2017. So <laughs> was that right. soundtrack? Uh, you know, followed followed by a close second by a Chibi Tech's uh, latest uh, album. Uh, yeah, uh, Psychosomatic Generation. So <laughs> mm. puts it puts oh. it puts it right up there for you. Gives you a gives you an idea of how much I enjoy Falcom Sound Team. That it overtook uh, chibi tech <laughs> so <laughs> hey look we almost want a whole episode without talking about her <laughs> i know right jason come on ah i'm such a such a fangirl such a fangirl i am <laughs> so anyway uh, let's go ahead and move on to the next two tracks first off is an assault and the next one is crossing rage again someone give these things a pass over in english please because <laughs> an assault crossing rage i mean come on guys at least there's an exclamation point on crossing rage so i guess that's something <laughs> Anyway, let's go and listen to those two, and we'll be right back.
first thing we listened to was an assault, and I'm going to go ahead and forgive somebody uh, for listening to this and thinking, why the hell did they pick this initially? Like, you listen to it the first few seconds, and it starts off, eh, it's a pretty weak, and... I wasn't entirely sure listening to it that this thing was going to make it because I remember I thought I liked this at some point, but it just never made it to one of my mixes that I listened to on, or listened to repeatedly. And then about 40 seconds in, this bell tolling really kind of changed the mood and it clicked. Whatever whatever it was with that bell toll, it just was like, it was like gong and just like, hey, here we go. We're changing things up and you're going to like this now, Jason. Um, it's like subliminal, basically. It was almost like a programming, like, hey, we do, do, do this thing. The bell in this kind of reminds me of a man. I forget the name of the track, and it's gonna drive me nuts because it's one of my favorites from uh, Secret of Mana. But I think it's like track number twenty. I think it's a bell tolls in the distance or something like that. But it, the bell in in that reminds me of this, and I'm wondering if that has something to do with it. Again, just a subliminal. Oh, I enjoyed that, and this sounds like that. So I'm just gonna go ahead and dig this now. <laughs> so mm, that could be a Pavlovian bell, if you will. <laughs> so. <laughs> About a minute and 15, it changes up the feel quite a bit. And like I said, the first part of that almost felt a little desperate and bumped into it feeling more, man, for want of a better term, like courageous. It's a marvelous transition that really hits well at a minute and 39. And throw in some, I would say, synthesized choral work. I don't think this was an actual choral thing. This may have been just something they had uh, on hand. I don't know, but... Uh, <laughs> About two minutes in, and this track just builds up and up and up, and it's a great track that genuinely surprised me with how much I ended up enjoying it, despite its, we'll say, a bland intro. I, there we go. I finally said something resembling negative about something we talked about today. It was, you know, resembling bland. It wasn't bland. It just resembled it. <laughs> uh, the intro seemed a little scattered, and like you said, it, it did sound a little desperate. Luckily, the track moves on and, and develops a solid flow. Aside from the intro, the track obtains something that caught me off guard, which is rhythm. It's good that the intro all of a sudden works. Really caught me off guard. Yeah, I can totally understand that. Because like I said, that bell toll thing, I don't know if that's where it changed it for you too. But for me, like I said, that was yeah. where I was all of a sudden just like, oh, no, I dig this now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it just develops a solid flow. And it's just out of nowhere. You know, it develops rhythm. <laughs> yeah. It, instead of being so scattered, you know. Yeah, it's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know. Oh, wait, hold on. It, it, it's it's kind of like, you know, it's it's like a it's like maybe a kid running for the, like, not the first time, but like they're running. And then all of a sudden they, they get their legs and they're running like competently like an adult. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. That's. That, that's kind of what it feels like. It was like, my legs are jello, and all of a sudden I hit my stride. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But that, yeah, that's right. <laughs> if our listeners couldn't tell, I, I you know, I, I used to be a pretty avid runner. So uh, there's a lot of running analogies we're going to go ahead and dig into, I suppose, here and there. And that's, uh, but I'm pretty sure most people will understand, like, you know, you get a little warmed up. Like, if you wake up in the morning, you're kind of like, oh, and then after a while, you sort of hit your stride. And like, okay, I'm good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, your body wakes up. Yep. And that's what this thing kind of feels like there. So Crossing Rage, we're going to move on to here now with an exclamation point. So Crossing Rage, maybe is the way I'm supposed to say it. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I said I just like a video game announcer or something there when I said that. I feel like <laughs> like a fighting game announcer, like Crossing Rage or something There you like go. That. Yeah, that does sound like one. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I should be like in a rejected Capcom vs. SNK2 uh, like soundbite thing there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I love the way this thing starts off. It sounds like a ringtone that's going off in someone's pocket, and then it just really kicks in with some really heavy, heavy guitar. It's like 
somebody heard this going on in their pocket and they're like, oh, let's pull it out. And as soon as they pull it out, the guitar kicks in and just starts slamming. And I, I love that. Whatever the guitar does at about 34 seconds in, for want of a better turn, it makes me hard, man. I love it. <laughs> uh, this thing just slaps you in the face. Uh, you know, maybe that wasn't the best transition after talking about making me hard. <laughs> this thing slaps you in the face over and over and over. And I just like more, more, give me more, give me more, give me more. <laughs> oh, no. There is not a moment of this track that I don't love. It's just, it, and it's weird because it's out of my wheelhouse of what I normally like musically, but I dig this one so much. It is so strong of a track and composition. I can't help but love this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that intro really kicks you in the teeth. You know, the veneers just fly right out. <laughs> and it's what a rock based song should have, you know, an excellent intro. Really wasn't expecting it to develop into uh, what it did, but like I've said before, repetition is a good thing. And man, this is another one of those things like Falcom Sound Team just never seems to cease to surprise me. Even when I listen to stuff repeatedly, sometimes I'll listen to it a little bit more closely and it's just like, oh, there's something else going on there. And it makes me understand more like why this track like works at certain points for me. And this is just another one of those strong ones. Like I said, this is totally not in my wheelhouse. Like if you played something like this, like over the radio or with um, like lyrics, I probably would be a little like eh about it, but like sitting down and listening to this and appreciating what it is. I, I completely dig it. This is, this is not normally the type of music I listen to. And it leans maybe a little bit more of what I would imagine you kind of listen to kind of like a heavier rock sort of sound. Yeah, that's right. This totally feels more, like I said, more of a Dominic track, but I, <laughs> I ended up loving this thing. Like this is like, oh, okay, no, I, I, I dig this thing. I, I can totally see why people dig this sort of music because when it hits like this, it, it hits for me. And I know there are far better examples of this stuff out there than, you know, Crossing Rage or hold on, <clears throat> I said it wrong, Crossing Rage. Uh, you know, I know there are better examples than this, but this this for me is like a nice. It's not too too hard, but it's hard enough. Yeah, yeah, I respect this song because. You know, the repetition behind it all really allows you to, um, I guess, understand it a little better. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like listening to a song for the second time in a row. You, you start to pick up things that you didn't hear the first time, which is cool. I like it. Yeah, this is why like, I really, I'm glad we decided on this format because it gives me a chance to like listen to things repeatedly and start jotting notes down of like, oh, it does this and it does this. And like I said, a lot of these tracks, like especially, you know, Smashing Through the Mountain, it's one I've liked for years. And like I said, you heard me whistling this stupid thing on a pretty regular <laughs> basis. And listening to this or doing this for the podcast, like it's gotten me to appreciate it even more than what I did before. And like last night while I was at work, I was listening to it. And I was just like, man, I, God, this is good. I love this fucking thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> but anyway, um, so yeah, that that's it on Crossing Rage. Um Yep. So let's go ahead and move on to the, well, the, the next track we're going to talk about is another one of those needs an English pass for sure. Uh, do go smoothly. I, I just, I don't know. I really don't Sounds know. a little sexual. Yeah, it does kind of, yeah. <laughs> Not to mention it and just talking about the, uh, what, what the last track kind of made me and everything. It's like, this is. This is uh this is maybe not the best stuff. Maybe, maybe we should have switched up the order instead of going off the disc <laughs> thing. Anyway, and then after that, we're going to be talking about the Maiden of the Wind, Mashira, I believe is the I guess subtitle part of that song. I don't know. Anyway, so yeah, do go smoothly and Maiden of the Wind, Mashira are the next ones. <laughs> Thank you. 
those were the last two tracks we're gonna be listening to. Should have mentioned that before we got into it, but uh, yeah, I mean, I understand this has been a, uh, we'll say, gauntlet of a podcast, but I really hope everyone listening here has appreciated what we've put together so far, because I dig this, Dominic digs it, and goddammit, man, I'm, I'm happy to talk about E7, and I hope we're doing it justice, just for the sake of, as I brought up at the beginning of the show, why I'm doing this one. Do go smoothly, it reeks of prog rock, and if you listen to the first episode where I did it by myself, I wasn't... I don't want to say I wasn't a fan of prog rock because I had no exposure to prog rock whatsoever. Um, Matoi Sakuraba is sort of the one who exposed me to that style of music. And this thing kind of reeks of it. Initially, it doesn't really. And then the organ kind of kicks in. I was like, nope, prog rock. Okay, cool. Uh, I like this. (laughs) (laughs) There's an electronic thing that kind of just repeats throughout it. And the underlying stuff changes every loop. And it keeps it incredibly fresh. I... This is just a fun one to listen to. It's kind of like the first track we talked about, you know, in the Busting Square. It's just kind of fun to listen to. This one's a little bit more, I would say, heavier than that one is. But again, this is another one of those that I just, I find listenable to on, on repeat for a while. It's it's another short track, but, and again, that might just be my affinity for prog rock. You know, Dominic, I've never actually asked you, Um, are you, do you, do you kind of dig prog rock? Are you into it at all? Or, mm, you know, I, I don't mind it. There's a band actually that I've been listening to that's extremely prog. Uh, they're called Gentle Giant, and it's an older band. Mm-hmm. Um, if you like prog rock, you might dig their stuff, but it's a little hard to understand, you know, because the direction is constantly changing. It's always progressing. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's not my favorite type okay. of music, yeah. but I do enjoy it, especially if it's put together well. Okay. I am going to have to start kicking you over some um, Toy Sakuraba stuff that I think you'd appreciate. He was my introduction to prog rock. You know, maybe that's something we should do for an episode is some Toy Sakuraba stuff. Anyway, mm-hmm. let's let's go ahead and talk about what we're talking about here because we're, we're running, we'll say, extremely long on this episode because there's a lot of ground to cover. I'm sorry. I know I completely cut you off as far as like what you think of this one. I nearly moved on to the next track. Uh, sorry. Sorry, co-host. Uh, bad, bad, bad Jason. Bad Jason. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I know. I'm an asshole. What can I say? Yeah, well... Yeah, I found the rhythm to be enjoyable. It it was definitely a fun track. It's funny, I can almost see the, the layers of instruments stacking throughout the track, mm-hmm. keeping things going, essentially. It's a fast track, too fast. It wish it were longer, but I liked it. Yep, again, like outside of that, you know, resembling bland uh comment I made on on, you know, another thing. Really, I think the only thing we we really have to complain about with any of these is maybe some of them are too short. Like, I would want more. It was kind of like, what was it? The Game Over, I believe it was on, um, or congr- no, congrats on, uh, no, congrats on, on Pictionary. Yeah, it's like, it's like, that's like a great 14 second loop, dude. You could have done so much more. No, that was it. Okay. It's just this gigantic tease of like, I want more. Give me. No. Okay, fine. <laughs> Leave me with this boner, you asshole. <laughs> You know, I don't even think it was long enough that I could get that I could get full on. I'd be like, a, be like, be like a semi at that point. <laughs> I can't imagine how many people we've turned off in the last like two segments now talking about uh, that stuff. At this point, it's like we started oh. off with, with such a with such a sweet, uh, you know, uh, sentimental, emotional thing, and now we're talking about that stuff. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> then again, with a track title like "Do Go Smoothly," it's kind of hard not to bring it up, I suppose. Do go smoothly. <laughs> That kind of sounds like, uh, you know, the local radio station, uh, you know, Kiss FM out here. It tended like when I was uh, when I was a teenager, they had a kiss after dark sort of thing, you know, and it's just like, oh, like yeah, it was just like this, like real R&B, like heavy sort of thing, like kiss after dark. You know what we're talking about. <laughs> oh, no, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things, like like a very, like, you know, knowing wink and a nod at like, hey, hey, you going to get some? Here's your music, boy. <laughs> 
Anyway, uh, let's go ahead and move on if you're done with that one. Oh, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> okay. Yeah we're, yeah, we're definitely done with that one, I think. Made it into the wind, Mishira. Whatever that thing is that sounds a bit like a singing, like, thing is pretty cool. I have never heard that before. Do you have any idea what that is, or is it just like a synthesized vocal thing? Yeah, I think it's a, a synthesized vocal thing. I've heard it before. I really don't know what it is. Okay. Um, I wouldn't know what to call it, honestly. How about we just go with the synthesized vocal there you go. There we go. No yeah, more. we'll just go with that. Yeah, whatever that is, it's cool. The piano throughout is just beautiful. It complements that, you know, synthesized vocal thing very well. I enjoy that stuff. I don't know why I like sad music. I kind of always have. Um, you know, we've talked about this before, and some people are actually genuinely surprised when I say my favorite guy is Richard Marks. Uh, you know, a lot of his stuff is a little, we'll say, dentist office rock, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> uh, he joked about that on Twitter. It, you know, if if you want somebody who's got a sense of humor about himself, uh, Richard Marks is very much that guy. He he said he went or he went to the dentist office not because he needed to, but because he wanted to hear his own music. <laughs> so oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I was like, the guy's got a good sense of humor about it, about what about his music and what he or, you know who enjoys it and where it's played. It's like, yeah, okay, I get it, dude. I, I really appreciate him for that. So yeah, like I said, I really enjoyed kind of the morose stuff, and this is just exactly that. It's it's a beautiful piece, and it's incredibly contemplative and sad and again considering what we were just talking about is a uh, you know we'll say uh staunch contradiction to the last track we were just talking about yeah like i said i, I really dig this one and this one probably fits the mood of the uh opening segment i talked or i was talking about mac a little bit better than um you know the last uh, do go smoothly discussion so <laughs> but yeah like i said i i really dig uh made it of the wind it's it's just a very it's a very well put together piece, and I, I think it's a beautiful track. Yeah, it's weird how the song is so sad, yet like I feel as if it, it's giving out strength. You know, it's just composed that way, which was interesting. I didn't expect that. You know, I was I, expecting a sad song. I didn't even really think about that, but you're completely right. And you know, there's no doubt about it. Uh, this is a very beautiful piece. Really, really grabs you. You know, when, when we're done with this podcast, man, I I'm gonna go play this track on a loop and. And watch my dog rest. Almost <laughs> makes me feel thankful, you know. It's got a sad, contemplative feel to it, and I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's interesting, man. It's a, uh, man, touches you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to say speaking of touching you because I don't know, but I guess that's as close to a transition as you're gonna get, baby. <laughs> uh, anyway, I guess that is the the last we're gonna talk about uh, disc one v seven. Normally, as listeners of the show know, we are every other week, but. Uh, within a couple of days, you will be hearing part two of this, uh, maybe even three days, just in case I, you know, have a hard time editing just because of the amount of stuff we're doing. But, uh, we're going to be talking about the second disc of E7 within a few days of this. I did want to get these things kind of back to back. I didn't want to go two weeks, you know, before we got into the second disc of it. I did kind of want to do these things together just because they fit so well together because, you know, they're the same game. Good job, talking, Jason. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, like I said, I, I wanted to put this together because I guess this is a tribute to Mac. You know, my friend who I lost about a little over six months ago. We Dominic and I were originally going to put this out about we were going to put this out February twenty fifth, which was the six month anniversary of Mac's passing. But my own grandmother passed February 9th, and I emotionally I just was not ready to put together anything like real heavy, really big. Um, you know, we. I barely got the interview done with Megan. We did Pictionary as sort of a filler, basically, because I we needed to do something. I didn't want to leave you guys out in the wind, but we needed something kind of short because I needed something short because I didn't have the emotional wherewithal to deal with E7 at the moment, you know? Yeah. 
You thought I broke down a little bit while I was talking at the beginning. I would have been a blubbering mess if we tried to do this a few weeks ago. So <laughs> I was able to at least talk during that. Uh, instead, I just would have been like, <laughs> you know, uh, not a Damn, choking me up. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, not a not a not a good look sound for a podcast so <laughs> anyway that'll wrap up this episode uh, like i said we'll be back in a few days with part two of this um you know if you're listening to this in the archive months down the road or years down the road that will mean nothing to you but just know we put a lot of work into these two episodes because there's a lot of ground to cover and i had to do everything i could to choke myself down from crying while we did, did the intro and i might be tearing up a little here again thinking about it <laughs> so <laughs> let's let's get go ahead and wrap this thing up um you can follow me on twitter at jason Ariola, dominic dominant shred yeah because i screwed that up last time so i'm gonna go ahead and let you just do that yourself from now on <laughs> um you can follow the podcast at Robico podcast that is r-o-w-y-c-o podcast and you can check out uh cheapy tech stuff on Bandcamp on twitter at cheapy tech she wrote our theme song and i'm just a you know raging fangirl of hers melissa diaz who no that's that episode's not gonna be out yet uh she she designed our logo uh she is going to be a first time guest and I think it's the first time she's done a podcast but uh first time guest on multimedia failure uh, we're going to be talking about Fatal Fury the motion picture which um is incredibly long so long in fact I think that movie is still going if I'm remembering right like I, it was about two weeks ago I watched it and I think it's still going so yeah <laughs> give you a little hint as to where that thing's going to rank on that list it's uh yeah it's it's still going um anyway uh, rock out with your card out. Like I said, if this is your first time listening to this, uh, I appreciate you downloading it and listening to it. Um, we might be getting some people who've never heard this before because just attached to it being attached to RP Gamer and Mac. I definitely don't, I, I feel kind of weird. Like I said, I ran it by somebody from the site that I'm friends with because I didn't want to feel exploitive, I guess, about it, that I was doing this to kind of get listens or whatever. Thankfully, I, I feel like the people that know me over there know me well enough that it's not what I'm doing. This is a genuine tribute to Mac because of how much of a cool guy he was. And just, like I said, I, I wouldn't consider him like a great friend, but he was a friend. And I, I wanted to be able to do do him some justice in his remembrance in, in, a, in my own strange way, I suppose. And getting something this meaningful to me, um, I felt was the best way I could do it. So... I it's a little bit later than I was wanting to do it, but I'm glad we got it done, or at least the first part of it done. We we have a lot of work to do before the second part, but we'll like I said, that's that's not important for you guys. Um, if you've like I said, if you've listened to the or this is your first time listening, thanks for checking this out. Dominic, we didn't really talk about this. Dominic is the actual musician in this group. Uh, you probably figured that out by listening to the podcast, and um, I'm just the video game music fanboy. Uh, so. <laughs> We, we um, you know, we've been friends for years and it's been nice having something to do outside of, you know, occasionally talk about work. So that, you know, is <laughs> enlightening to, to each other. Like I can expose him to new music and he can expose me to actually knowing stuff about music instead of just like, this is cool to listen to. I like it. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, we are a biweekly podcast through my site, gamesjunk.net. Uh, here we go. Here are the plugs. Here's the part where it might come across as a little exploitive, but uh, I do this every episode. So the other we'll say flagship podcast that I do is called multimedia failure. I do that with uh, Vanessa Cahill, who is sort of the web empress of my site. She runs all the backend stuff and um, could uh, take down everything with a keystroke. So uh, I do my best to make sure she's happy, <laughs> even though I'm torturing her with uh, multimedia failure. Multimedia failure is a chronological exploration of every video game movie ever made. And then we arbitrarily rank them against each other. It's a fun podcast that at times is, um, 
we'll say emotionally a lot of work to get through because a lot of the movies we've been through so far suck, we'll say, <laughs> if I want to put it gently. I also did that with John Lucero. I'm sorry I cut that off, uh, John. If you're listening, and I'm sure you're, I'm sure you are. I, uh, I, you know, yeah, yeah I, I had to make sure we, we, you know, appease Vanessa because again, she could take out everything with a keystroke. So let's go ahead and all hail our web Everest. Uh, long, long may she reign and all that jazz. So, uh, I've also, I also do a game club podcast um, where it's a deep dive uh, video games. If you're from RP Gamer or familiar with RP Gamer, think of it as like my version of a backtrack. Basically, there's a reason why the Tactics Ogre one, the second, third, and fourth part of that has been on hold. Um, not just the length of time it takes to get those together. Um, emotionally, like I said, I was putting that together because I wanted Mac to hear it. It's been a little hard to play the game sometimes. Like, I'll play it, start taking notes, and it's just kind of like a... Oh God, I just... I don't know. I, again, that is my favorite game, and for that game to start feeling like... Not work, but a slog just because the emotional thing attached to it at this point is is the reason why that podcast has taken me so long. Um, I was literally jotting down notes for it and then my grandmother died and, you know, I was putting together the podcast when Mac died. So it, there's a lot of like emotional baggage to it, but we're, we're going to, we're going to power through that eventually and I'll get Josh and Jonathan together and we'll do that podcast again. So anyway, um, I think that's all the plugs I've got. So I appreciate um, anyone who this might be your first time listening. If you want to go ahead and, you know, you can always drop us a line on Twitter. Let us know how you feel about the podcast. Maybe we should talk about, uh, you know, sexual stuff a little bit less. Uh, uh, I don't know. But when you have a title like Do Go Smoothly, it sort of just lends itself to that. So my apologies. <laughs> Dominic and I are just gigantic children. Me me more so because I'm, you know, 10 years older than he is. <laughs> uh, I'm nearly middle age and I still haven't grown up. So anyway. And also, if you like this podcast and you want to see more of it, um, you can support us on Patreon. We have a Patreon page and that is, uh, you can find it at patreon.com slash games and junk that supports all of our podcasts uh all of our writing that we do over there and there's a bunch of tiers over there where you can request an episode you know be a guest on an episode or if you just want to shout out oh speaking of shout outs um well i guess i sort of shout out to you as much as possible uh vanessa is at the shout out tier so i don't want to shout her out on you know the podcast she's on so i guess uh hey vanessa thanks uh th- thanks for your patronage i appreciate it i i know you say i do a lot of work for the podcast and everything but um this literally would not be possible if you weren't involved so Thanks for patronizing me in that sense. <laughs> anyway, um, Dominic, thanks for thanks for putting in the uh, leg work with me on this one. I really appreciate it, man. Oh, of course, man. Anytime. So until next time, guys, which again will be in a few days, uh, we appreciate you listening and continue to rock out with your card out. Uh, I need a really good outro for this. I don't have a good one, and I will continue to fumble my way through the ending. I can't really think of a, a teaser track because you know what's coming. Normally, I tease at the end of the episode what's coming with a track that I don't tell you what it is, and I will make it clear in the next episode what it what, what it was. But this episode, since you know what it's going into, I'm going to dig through, and we'll, I'll figure out something for me, 7 uh, Disc 2, that we'll put in. Anyway, until next time, guys, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you later. Later. Later.